0: Hey everyone, and what's going on? Welcome to episode number 118 of the TXR podcast, the best place on a Sunday night to talk games and learn more about the game industry. I'm your host, Invader, and I'm really looking forward to getting into tonight's topics. There's certainly lots going on in the gaming world. However, before we get into things, be sure to check out last week's show, our interview with Intellivision head Tommy Talarico. We had a very long discussion about the up- upcoming in Intellivision Amico, where he dropped quite a few exclusive tidbits. So definitely do yourself a favor and check it out. Also, there was,
1: there was a lot of views on that. It's, I think it's coming up on over a thousand views here shortly.
0: <laughs> yeah man like uh probably by tomorrow it's inching closer and closer to a thousand and yeah. you know it it was a really good show I, I was really excited to like hear just tommy speak about the amico and his passion for gaming and just learning new things about it because he dropped a lot of really new a lot of new details about it so that was pretty yeah. exciting But, uh, yeah, definitely, guys, check it out if you haven't already. It was a really, really fun show, and uh, he dropped all kinds of uh, little exclusives in there for us, so definitely take a peek. But uh, before we get on to the panel, uh, you know, there is some, you know, unfortunate news earlier today. A lot of people are uh, affected. Uh, Kobe Bryant, unfortunately, was lost, uh, killed in a helicopter crash, and uh, lost a couple... Yeah. Lost a couple of people uh, on that crash, on that helicopter crash, including his, uh, I think, 13, 14-year-old daughter, Gianna. So, you know, very heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have been uh, really choked up about that. Obviously, uh, a few people in the chat, uh, Rico, uh, Dennis, mentioning it here. You know, definitely really shocking news. The guy was only 41. And yeah just heartbreaking and uh, you know we give our con- condolences to the family and just you know very sad event very sad event uh, do you guys want to add anything before we uh, move on
1: I-, I think just what he did in general what he was gonna what his plans were in general just for the community and the public and it's just it's just heartbreaking you know he he did so much for the city of Los Angeles he's brought so much joy uh, and he just continued that, or he was going to continue that after his career. And now that, it, you know, it's just, it's so sad for the family. Just, it, you know, his daughter who, you know, you know, there were some, some he, he got asked this question, like, why, you know, keep trying for a boy to carry on his legacy. And he's like, you know, he's like, no, nah, my daughter's taking care of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's her job, but she followed, you know, basketball and him closely. And uh, it's just sad. You know, it's a sad day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, you know, guys in the chat, definitely share your thoughts about uh, Kobe, you know, what you enjoyed about his career. And, you know, you're more than welcome to give your thoughts in the chat, of course. Definitely, you know, let everything out. Uh, but yeah, a sad day in sports. And, uh, you know, he'll be missed. But uh, all right, guys, we're going to move on to tonight's panel hey tim buddy uh glad to have you back but uh, there's lots of news and lots of xbox news to cover how are you been
2: uh aside from the news today pretty shitty um but uh yeah i've been uh, just getting over getting sick and um, just ready to talk some uh xbox maybe getting uh, our minds off of uh the, the unfortunate news today um uh, of what we just talked about but um yeah so you, just, you had uh, the flu tim or what I I don't know. I had some type of something going on. I just slept for two days though. When I, after I got home from work on Friday, I pretty much just went to sleep. I feel better now, so hopefully that's uh, the only
1: thing you can do, man, is just sleep.
2: Yeah, sleep. Wait and it take out. Like hot liquids and drinking, you know, water and just you know. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, gonna be a, probably a little bit of a. a uh, a low energy show but that's obvious for the reasons and um hopefully we can just kind of uh get our minds off of the unfortunate news
0: mm-hmm. definitely uh well said there tim all right uh, hey centurion man uh how you been the past week
3: oh pretty good today and the week was going good was looking forward to the show was reading the dms and Actually, that's how I found out about Kobe was hopping on to the uh, DM for the TXR podcast. So that kind of threw me through a loop this morning. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm not like the biggest basketball fan out there. I mean, I do love my sports. I've been to a couple of Toronto Raptors games. Obviously, I'm, uh, I'm in the uh, Toronto vicinity. And, uh,
3: you know, I'm, I'm not a big sports fan. Uh, forgive me. <laughs> uh, but like I was saying in the pre show, um, any loss of human life is tragic. Um, and it definitely makes you reevaluate things. It makes you, you know, cherish the fact that you're still here with your fr- friends and family members. And you also, you know, feel grievance for those who are affected by this. Because, um, you know, excuse the expression, only an a hole doesn't give a care. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I didn't know the guy and I didn't really watch him play, I'm, you know, it still makes you sit back and go. It makes you realize that, you know, life is something to not be taken for granted. It's you're not here forever and you need to make every moment count.
1: And you see just the, uh, you know, just uh, how emotional people were on social media and just the whole world is just, um, you know, their heads are just – thrown through a loop on, on you know on this tragedy and it's just unfortunate
0: mm-hmm. absolutely well we'll move on to you jeremy obviously you know uh besides the uh you know the the news today obviously everybody's uh kind of in a bad mood uh besides that how are you doing man uh what's new
1: yeah i'm doing well you know just looking forward to doing this show but at the same time, I'm I'm
0: really just like I was just down all day today. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And who else do we got here? Hey, uh, Shock Buddy, uh, how's things at your end? Uh, pretty good, other than the uh, sad
4: news. I was in a movie and my phone was just blowing up for. Him. I was like, this is <laughs> this is a crazy amount of text, and then I saw why. And that's yeah. tragic news. I think it was
0: said so there was like nine people
4: in the helicopter now so.
0: well funny you mentioned that we we're just talking about that uh before we came on and i guess there's some conflicting reports we've been seeing so i'm not a hundred percent sure but uh, yeah what
1: what happens is there's everybody wants to be first to everything so they just they just throw shit out without verifying it first you know at first we heard that uh you know fox was the one you know he was part of that Uh, the one with Kobe on board. And then it was all his whole family members. And it was just his daughters. And it just, you know, people are quick to um, assume. And then they throw it out the news, like it's actual news, but it's not news. And, you know, it's just people should get their facts together before they say some shit on, you know, online or tweet about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It's uh yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who want, you know, the instant uh, scoop, the instant article, the instant tweet. And I've already seen some really terrible takes by some journalists and uh, just people tweeting stuff out. And, Hari uh, Shafir was pretty terrible. Yeah, I've seen, uh, quite a few. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's tough. It's definitely tough. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely, you know, everybody will move on. It's just, Of course, you know, it's heartbreaking and, you know, we'll uh, get on with uh, tonight's show and uh, talk about all kinds of gaming news because, hey guys, you know what, this week there was a whole ton of news that came up for both Xbox and just gaming news in general. And we're going to start with, well a bit of an article that came up and it's about GDC, the uh, game developers conference and GDC conducted a state of the industry survey. They've done this for a few years now. And recently they asked game developers a whole wide range of questions. And there's some really interesting stats coming out of this as it looks like devs are looking ahead to the next gen (laughs) consoles, but might not be uh, looking to leave this gem behind. One question was, which platforms are you developing your current project for? And PC was on top at 56%. I mean, I guess that's really not surprising. Mobile coming in at 39%. Now, this is where the really interesting stats start popping in. PS4 Pro, it's at 25%. The Xbox One X at 23%. The Nintendo Switch. At 17%, so a little lower. Now, as far as next-gen goes, the PS5 at 11% and the Xbox Series X at 9%. So not too far off there, just a couple of points. Now, panel members, what do you make of this? Uh, what do you? What's your take out of these statistics as? I mean, you could ex- extrapolate a few things, really.
1: Right. So, you know, my take on it is people go where the bunny is. and and a lot of it has to do with you know the install base and accessibility of the systems and i think if you ask the same question you know last generation i think you know xbox would be on top for that simple reason you know there's no doubt about it xbox created a lot of barriers you know with its with with its initial launch um and uh you know you, you know he bet the house on you know Matrix. Matrix bet the house on online connectivity. You know, making it a TV box. Uh, you know, they did a complete flip flop in policy, almost as opposed to like uh, you know the 360 uh, when it when the Xbox One came out, and um, which made 360 a success. I know you guys remember that. But Matrick was a walking, you know, he was a walking PR nightmare, which Phil is still cleaning up his mess by the, you know, his mess today. He's cleaning it up, no doubt about it. Um, But I know, you know, I joke when I say, you know, bring back Matrick. But the damage done by that guy, uh, like I said, Phil is trying to still clean, uh, clean up his mess. I will never, ever forget uh, you know, Matrix comments when, when uh you know, he, he was quoted in saying, if you're backwards, what, what was it? If you're backwards compatible, you're really backwards. Yeah, Something in the lungs. long, that. Z- now, yeah. He, and he
2: said if you want backwards compatibility, we have a 360 for that. I believe. Right. No,
1: he said that, but he, he actually said, was quoted in saying, I think I have it. Yeah. So if, if you're backwards compatible, you're really backwards. And he also said, fortunately, you know like you like tim said fortunately we have a product for people who aren't able to get some form of connectivity and it's called you know the 360 <laughs> you know so it, that that message just resonated with people which again phil is trying to clean up but to be fair you know obviously phil and the current xbox leadership has had their own you know pr uh, little nightmares i want to call them too devastating, but, you know, Phil's comments on the whole VR is isolating. And, you know, the comments were just bad. And I think, you know, um, I don't know if you guys remember, part of the reason why I joined Twitter was his Street Fighter comments. And I know Tim could remember this, and that's how I I kind of met Tim and started talking to Tim was his Street Fighter comments.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: it, A person asked Phil on social media about how he felt. Uh, about Street Fighter being exclusive, and you know Phil's response was that business deals happen, and we we won't do all of them. But w- you know when we have a first party franchise, he's referring to Killer Instinct. Um, I'd rather invest in ours, and I, I think about you know all the developers that you know. Yeah, I don't want to say he singled them out, but he, it kind of felt like he did. You know. Imagine you're a developer and you hear those words, you kind of get singled out. And but I think a lot of it just has to do with the money trail. You know, PlayStation has a larger install install base console straight up, as opposed to uh, Xbox or um, or the Switch. But um, you look at PC; that's why PC's number one, and PC's number one because it's uh, easier to develop for. And it's more accessible. Uh, people can just, you know, there's no re- there's no real restrictions as opposed to uh, Xbox and um, and PlayStation and the Switch. Um, so I think you see that, and I think that's part of the reason why developers prefer PlayStation over Xbox. Now I don't know what you guys think, but that's my take on it.
4: I think a lot of it has to do with the just the regions, like. You're not going to see so any Japan develop developers on there, probably you're going to be geared toward more so Switch, PS4. Same thing with like Europe, where markets just where Xbox just isn't at. Um, yeah. So it's going to be split up between that and PC, so maybe they want to get in with that, but there's no big install bases in some of those regions, so right. Mm-hmm. For me, well, for
2: me, well, go ahead, go ahead. Maybe.
0: Well, I was just going to chime in and say that, well, it makes sense to, you know, they're doing all these initiatives with uh, PC, you know, Xbox wants to do a Play Anywhere initiative. Sony's definitely been testing the waters with that, with PS Now as well. And it just, you know, with these kind of statistics coming from game devs, like 56% are, you know, PCs at the top of their list that they're developing for. It just kind of makes sense, right? But go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah
2: no i am basically uh, to 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 further your point i think that the pc uh you know development side is 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 that's going to go up i think this uh this probably like like jeremy uh you know says is probably a little bit of popularity why ps4 was <clears throat> ps5 is is more um you know is is higher than than the xbox counterpart but uh, I think the real real thing to take from there is is that PC is the leading um, development choice, and I think that that number is going to even grow. Uh, yeah. And um, the way that affects Xbox really is is that uh, at its core, Game Core, which uh, is now it's it's kind of a new um, you know uh, it's a, it's a, it's their new way of. Um, uh, their UWP, remember that? Yeah. Uh, this is mm-hmm. their, their new take at it, where uh, basically you develop one version and you kind of just you know port it down, and uh, that that game core is is a way to basically have the you know code being the same through for the PC and then the Xbox box when you port it. Um, so uh, you know I don't think it's a big deal. Um, no. I think that it that definitely shows that PC is. Uh, the developer's choice and like i said i can see that number going up throughout this generation because of way the systems are all similar and pc is uh seeming seemingly uh you know growing and and uh the development portion of that uh is also growing
0: right mm-hmm. definitely um uh, centurion what are your thoughts on this bud
3: well, there's no denying the fact that yes, developers are gonna go towards the, the larger install base, especially when shock makes the correlation that you know their PlayStation is being sold in more regions. Yeah. Um, definitely though, point. I want to say that I'm curious on the long run, though, on those PC numbers. On I feel like eventually uh console and PC numbers are at <laughs> least going to start becoming very similar. Right now there's about a around what was 20 around 20% difference in the numbers. And so definitely I'm curious going forward um, into the future on how much closer those numbers are going to get to each other because these consoles are starting to revel, you know, low, they're starting to become PCs in their own rights. You know, they're, they're starting to kind of blur the lines between console and PC and so, going forward, you know game developers are going to see that these consoles um don't have as many limitations as they did back in the day. Yeah. and it's going to get more console developers to wanna uh, develop games. And also with uh, the idea of creating games on that x eighty six architecture, the fact that you can scale games from, pc to console without having to uh break your back to do it is Mm -hmm. definitely going to uh it's gonna be great you know like if i really think about it it was said earlier this week uh by david preen on dealer show that you know this is going to open the gates for new kinds of genres of gaming because all these all these pc developers that have all these ideas and stuff that console gamers have never seen are going to be able to start putting some of these ideas to work on console gaming
1: Yeah, and in hope, I mean, I hope that that happens. But you know, you see, uh, you know, like um, uh, Epic, uh, Epic Games, what they're doing with their uh, whole IP, and I'm not IP, but their own uh, online um, and Steam, and you know, it's just who knows because those games, you know, Epic is big with uh, the exclusivity rights with some of their games, and I think they're just gonna move forward with that. So we'll see how it goes, but. Uh, they're paying big money for those exclusive rights to some of these games.
0: Mm -hmm. But it also, it's interesting too, because, I mean, obviously larger developers would be able to, you know, they'd be able to support a whole bunch of platforms, but indie developers, they'd only have access, you know, they probably only focus on one. So it kind of makes sense for them to go to for, again, PC or focus on, you know, one specific console at a time just unfortunately the way that the industry works but uh you know guys there's another interesting question that popped up too and i'll uh, i'll read it right here are you developing your next game for next generation platforms or existing platforms <clears throat> and it's very interesting and so it says exclusively next gen five percent hmm. just five percent exclusively for existing platforms 22 both existing and next gen 34 and don't know at this time 39 so what are your takeaways from that guys because it seems like they're not quite ready to commit to the next gen which it makes sense but it also makes you wonder with xbox's uh comments on the series x exclusive games and developing for games going forward you know, it's going to be kind of a slower transition period. It kind of makes sense when you see how the developers are kind of answering these.
3: Well, of course, because who would just want to throw, like, if we combine PlayStation and Xbox together, that's 140 million gamers. And, you know, let's, like, who would want to throw every single one of those gamers to the side and want to basically hit the reset button and create games for a new, um, A new generation of consoles you know they're they're holding to the same ideals as microsoft they want their content to be cross-gen so that way they don't have to worry about people who didn't upgrade to the series x or the ps5 uh the ps4 owners and the xbox one owners are still going to be able to buy their product and put money in their pocket
1: yeah i think so no good point Mm-hmm. Well,
2: I think I think the whole thing with the, the the comments with booty and how that was taken was it was kind of bullshit. Uh, I think people overreacted and didn't really understand uh, that one to two years you're not going to get a next gen really a breakthrough to it type of game. Nor um, are these games really gonna they're they're transitioning. So that one to two year comment. Was really at at at, you know at best it's it shouldn't be something that people would go crazy. You're not going to affect many uh, games with that. You're talking maybe three to five triple A's, and we already know three of the triple A's. So all of that with with that makes complete sense. What's going on as far as what games are being developed? Yeah, games. I I'd say right now, if like a game. Uh, is starting up you're going to say next generation because you have a dev cycle of three to four years but games yeah. already that are starting um you know like the the, the 2021 call of duty that's probably going to be cross generation um you can probably mirror what happened last gen and you know and and and, and apply it to this gen you're going to have that that same type of transition And uh, when we really get to the next generation games that we were, you know, uh, talking about, you're really going to start to see them shine three to five years within the cycle, in my opinion. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, it's just interesting, the comments coming out of this, the uh, survey, I should say, because... Uh, you know we want to see how uh, devs are looking forward to the next gen and how they're looking at the current uh, platforms and obviously the current ones the ps4 pro and xbox one x they're not going nowhere anytime soon devs feel comfortable with those and you know slowly but surely they'll make their way transitioning to the next gen um, well- it just They're not
1: going to shorten their install base, you know, I'm looking back at it. And I overreacted too, you know, it's just one I always overreact, but, (laughs) but it's one of those things where, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to do five, 10 million units as opposed to a hundred or even 50 million units, uh, you know, like the, like the Xbox one, but um, you know, that's, that's it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm absolutely absolutely and i well, did want to
4: mention uh with if people think that with playstation they're actually going to get games in the first one to two years that are could not be possible on the ps4 i think they're nuts <laughs> just like with the ps uh ps4 and ps3 that first uh two years of ps4 there was no game that was could not could have not been done um scope wise on the ps3 killzone could have been done on the ps3 infamous same thing like <laughs> that's all we're talking about so xbox they're just you know doing goodwill because they need to build that up sony they don't need to they got you know everybody on their side right now so they can lock people out make people want to jump over especially since all your games come over so
0: mm-hmm, absolutely uh tim was there anything else you wanted to share before we move
2: on no pretty much uh all that's all we were uh saying
0: all right, guys. All right. I think uh, we've uh, gone over that pretty well. Just some interesting uh, well, some interesting stats there from uh, the GDC survey. But going on to our next topic, fellas, and it looks like Xbox is beefing up its marketing with a familiar face. Jarrett West, former vice president and head of marketing at Netflix, is rejoining Microsoft as chief Market- marketing officer at Xbox. Now, during his time before at Microsoft, he was there for well about eight years from 2003 to 2011, including three years as director of marketing. So you know, this guy was uh, pretty important back in the day. Now, guys, it's an interesting move getting Jarrett West back. Do you think bringing him back into the fold is a smart move?
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't leave a huge company like, well, obviously Xbox is a huge company, but he was at Netflix for seven years. And it just goes to show just, you know, just how laser focused Xbox is, you know, in all aspects of their business from marketing, uh, you know, to, um, you know, to the games. So it's all in for them right now, I think. And, you know, Jarrett West, he's, uh, you know, he's done some good things at both places, you know, Xbox and Netflix sure um you know they they did a lot of uh negotiations to get him back but i
0: mean it's a good move for xbox Mm -hmm. definitely well this guy i remember when he was there uh he was i remember seeing him on uh different videos and he was always talking highlighting on the xbox 360 for example the new social media apps that were coming out i remember him talking about like facebook Zoom. Twitter and yes even the Netflix integration funny enough but uh, this guy he's really on it he's really on the whole uh, social media aspect and uh, just getting really involved with uh, the community and he was also really heavily involved with Xbox Live in total so I'll just be interesting to see how his time at Netflix is gonna really uh, drive for example Game Pass right because Game Pass is often compared to the Netflix of gaming in a lot of ways right guys? Right, and
1: I think you're gonna see, uh, f- you know, just full integration as far as, and you're gonna see a lot of marketing dollars thrown into, not just you know the retail businesses like GameStop and well, not Game GameStop's going out of business very <laughs> soon here, um, but, you're gonna, like, <laughs> but like, but uh, like you know Best Buy and uh, Amazon and um, and just it's gonna be interesting to see what he does on that end. But at the same time, it's going to be really interesting what he does, uh. In you know, dig in digital marketing. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him there, and we'll see how it how it takes off.
3: Do you think uh, their marketing on in general is going to become more aggressive? Because we all remember yeah, how it was during so. the Xbox 360 era. So, you know, the fact that they're bringing him back into the fold you know they they want to kind of see if they can kind of relight the fire that was created back during the 360 era. Yeah, he
1: did a good, he did a great job. I don't know if you guys remember a couple of things. I think he did create the uh, jump in hole, you know, the whole jump in tag thing. I'm not sh- exactly sure, but I think that was him. Um but um like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what he does here over the next couple of years.
2: Well, I can tell you this much: it's it was a big deal within Microsoft that this guy uh, was hired. I think that there might be a wire next week that you might get of this uh, guy uh, for him to join the team from being with, with on my Netflix uh, is huge, and I think one of it's the a big deal, right? On, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, this guy is no joke. Um, he's somebody that can. Uh, rival Phil. I mean, Phil, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, you need to have somebody who's not gonna, you can't have all yes men around you. And I think that this guy is the type of stature that can say, you know, uh, you know, Phil, let's be more aggressive here. Let's, let's do this, do that. I think this, this move, you're gonna see, uh, Game Pass focus, which means content focus, which means you're gonna get more games. There might be more. Uh, this, is, this is just a significant, uh, you know, higher as far as I'm concerned. Um, you're going to see dividends paid off with this. You're going to see more games. You're probably going to see more studios. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, later in this week, uh, keep your eyes peeled. You might get some, uh, some eye-opening information uh, to why he is taking the position um, from Netflix. Um, for him to join on, uh, on Xbox... Is huge from Netflix. I mean, this, you know, I think he did it because he saw the potential. To be honest,
1: and Tim, you re- you remember,
2: uh,
1: as in terms of a marketing standpoint, Xbox was out of sight, out of mind, and Sony was just wiping the floor in every aspect of their business. Whether you walk into to Best Buy and see, you know, the first thing you see in the, in the gaming in their gaming uh, setup is PlayStation, and you know, it just. Um, you know, yeah, Sony pays for that real estate, but at the same time, Xbox needs to do a better job, um, you know, getting some of that real estate back from yes. Sony, you know, and it's just one I, of those... I think th-
2: this is something... I agree 100%. I think this is one of those things that's going to signifies that. I think Xbox, to be honest, where you're talking, really went through a horrendous generation, a hard yeah. generation. There was a time when, listen, me and you were at dinner and You know, I'm sure you remember the dinner and, um, you know. We could uh, talk
1: about it now with who you know who.
2: I wouldn't really go into it. But the fact is, is that there were some dire times for Xbox and (laughs) they weren't spending money. And this is just this is just, uh, you know, uh, a signal that, you know, they're real deal right now. This type of guy is not going to. He's not going to join a shitbag company that's that's going nowhere. It's not going to
1: spend money, absolutely. Right. Yeah.
2: exactly. So it's it's a big, it's a significant hire. And like I said, you might hear more from it next week. Keep your eyes open. And uh, I think this just shows. And, and Jeremy has always pointed that out that, that you know, and I know, and I've seen him question the executives. You know, why why are you letting them get into the space? Why are you letting the them you know uh, do this with the journalists? And 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 uh, you know, I mean, I, I'll give it to Jeremy. He is he's very good and keen in that. And well, he always you know, brought it up. But I think it you was know the what thing, Tim spend money.
1: You know, it frustrates me when you know. Xbox is really only re- relevant in the US market if you really think about it. And then you look on the other hand at the 360 where they at least tried to make uh, an imprint overseas with you know they used to get Japanese games coming in from all regions, you know, Europe, uh Japan, China, all these places used to want to develop for Xbox and that has gone away some you know, and now with you know with with this guy coming aboard, I think he's gonna do a better job hopefully um you know turning that tide in the retail business
4: mm-hmm. So I think some of that was by default though because of the cell processor, so a lot of times you yeah. get, we'd get tails one of the tails of uh i think it was Vesperia or whatever you. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. and then it came a year later to p s three which that would you would never see that today so no. Yeah. No,
1: there is
2: but, some but truth but it, to that. It was, yeah. it, it was definitely a different climate. There was definitely listen, like 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 we said, this generation, Xbox was stumbling. And I think there was a time where Xbox might have thought that, you know, they're they're just gonna go, you know, to be like uh, you know, uh uh kind of a valve a valve type uh, you know, presence where they're not gonna really create games, they'll do some you know back end stuff they'll they'll own things like havoc and and they'll make money off of that but they're not going to be doing what they they're doing now this with game pass and X cloud and everything that's going moving forward uh the 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 the, the transition has been stark and i yeah. do think that they, they might be smelling a little blood here and yeah. uh, they're going for it so the days of like you know worrying about like where Xbox is can spend anything or any kind of money on any kind of third party, I think that that's over with. I think, uh, to be honest, t- uh, this Game Pass, uh, it's it's a monster in itself, and and I really well, think.
1: Tim, you can say so- that it's a it's a make or break situation for Xbox, and they're putting all their resources into Game Pass. They have to.
2: Pretty much, yeah. They they. they the fact of the matter is, is and I've said this and people get upset when I say <laughs> this, I do believe we might live in a world where in five years Game Pass is possibly just by itself bigger than Xbox itself, bigger than, than the console business. It's just it's a mm-hmm. subscription service yeah. that just keeps growing and growing. And when you you know, let's just say let's just say in five years they have, you know, forty million customers or thirty-five million paying customers. The revenue that you're talking about from that, uh, you know, because everyone's their one dollar, did one dollar deals are gonna, you know, obviously yeah. gonna transition out, and they you know, but let's just say it's even like twenty million, the the amount of money and revenue that they're making just from Game Pass is gonna be huge, and I think that uh, getting a guy like this, I think that he sees the significant trend that's going on. And like I said, I, I think uh, next week we get the business, uh, we get the uh, the numbers for uh, uh, for what Xbox division's doing, and I think that uh, he might be privy to some of that information. I mean, this guy is not going to go into, like I said, he's not going to go into something where they're they're not going to put money into the. Office. They're not going to yeah. leave Netflix for something that isn't going to have potential and growth. So this is a real significant hire. And with, even within Xbox, I've talked to people within Xbox. Uh, they're, they're like, yeah, this guy's real, real deal. And, and just a shout-out to Mike, Mike Nichols. Um, you know, I had wrote, written a, a tweet, and I thought better of it, because Mike Nichols was there when Game Pass started. And Mike Nichols was there when a lot of all this stuff started. So we can't forget about guys like Mike Nichols or, or, or Quick, you yeah. know, Yabarra. Those guys built this foundation. Unfortunately they left and they went for whatever they're doing now, but those guys can't be forgotten. But um, on the other side, a guy like this is is, is a real significant hire. It's not saying like he, he's bigger and better than Mike Nichols. No, it's just the fact that, you know, Mike's built something huge and you know, with, with all with the rest of Xbox and now you're going to get people that are going to look at a situation that's good. It's like a manager. It's like yeah. you're going into a baseball team. You see, you see, now you got a real good deal. And, you know, he's jumping into that position. So, yeah, it's a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. I just, I remember, like, the, obviously, the OG Xbox days and the early 360, like, the first half of the generation there with the 360. And I just, they had so many good marketing campaigns good strong trailers that were genuinely memorable you go to gears of war remember the mad world trailers oh my god that's it's part of pop pop culture Mm
1: -hmm.
2: jump in like jeremy said there were so many things that they that they they Mm -hmm. did that was uh recognizable a lot of um Mm -hmm. we all remember we all remember those And, and he was actually a part of that so you know, it's a significant thing. I, I guess we'll see what he does in the future, though. And, um you know, it's it's like I said, I just can't reiterate how, you know, how yeah. from one situation three years ago to where they are now. It's, it's so it's such a stark difference.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited about this move, guys. Obviously, it's nice having a familiar face a guy that was with xbox previously back when you know back to when they were just creating their hardcore ip and getting word out with the marketing this is just really exciting to me right to me it's them wanting to go back to them being aggressive back to them being them again so i'm just i'm looking forward to it uh anyone else want to chime in before we move on I'll take that as a no. All right, fellas, we'll uh, move on. And you know what? I tell you, Ninja Theory just keep on surprising us. The studio released a dev diary a few days ago detailing what's going on at the studio, that the team has done its prior commitments and can now focus on key projects. They wanted to state that the studio has grown, but still significantly smaller compared to other industry studio teams and lo and behold they surprise us with a new game project called project mara the game explores uh, mental health and really it only has one character and one location and it's very very experimental the studio wants to create a new storytelling medium so they say now guys you know, I'm sure you checked out the trailer by now. What are your thoughts on this new horror project by Ninja Theory?
3: I think it's gonna be awesome. I love the fact that Ninja Theory is pushing the boundaries of gaming in general. Like when you see that flight of stairs, I was sitting there trying to figure out if it was an actual live image for starters. <laughs> I mean yeah. that that was that was really gorgeous graphics right there. Oh, yeah. Um, but to put it, <clears throat> I love how. Microsoft saw the potential in Ninja Theory. They're not out there throwing millions of dollars at companies that have already established themselves. They want to grow these companies, the companies that they bought into these powerhouses that we see today from some of the top names like Insomniac and Kojima. Now, i love that because you see what ninja theory is doing they're pushing the boundaries of gameplay they're tackling subjects like mental illness and they're giving people a a way to see what it's like to live with certain you know certain mental illnesses like schizophrenia And other stuff like that. And, you know, it it, like a lot of people don't want to talk about mental illness, but, you know, Ninja Theory is putting it in, you know, in the forefront. They're definitely wanting to put it out there for people to experience this stuff. So that way, you know, you have a different perspective on it. You know, it's one thing to sit there and tell somebody who has a mental illness. Well, well, just just stop doing that. You don't really understand why. And by being able to be exposed to games like this, that help you understand why it helps you put a, a new perspective on just what someone else might be going through in their everyday life.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, I'm a huge fan of, you know, horror games in in general. I think this one's being called a psychological horror game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, Silent Hill is probably my favorite in terms of, storytelling and its characters you know and um if i had to pick which one was my favorite i would probably pick uh it's either going to be two or four you know i think silent hill the room kind of stuck with me uh you know the most out of the most out of all of them and the way i interpreted the story uh was at the beginning you know excuse me if i go on this rant about the silent hill story for a second but it made an impact. I mean, I think I think Mar- Project Mara has the potential to do that. But um, you know, at the beginning of the game, the ma- the main character was locked in this haunted apartment. And I don't know if you guys ever played the room, but um, you know, he was locked in this ha- in this haunted apartment for five days with no means of communication whatsoever, and he was having recurring nightmares. You know, and the reason why this apartment was haunted was the main enemy in the game was an evil serial killer that was born inside the actual apartment. So you see two versions of like the main enemy in the game. And one was like a little boy, which identifies as innocence, you know, in the game. And then on the other side, you have this serial killer who, and you could see who had that, who that little boy has become. So the main enemy, uh, which his name was Walter, he wanted to return. The way I interpret it was he wanted to return to the room where he thought uh, this room was his mother. And there was an explanation for that in the game because Walter was born in this room out of pure hatred. You know, And if you guys know the Silent Hill series, it's war- it's pretty warped. His parents, I think, were referenced in the game, if I remember correctly, Um, and they just locked him in his room. They never made physical contact with his parents. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the boy never made physical contact with his parents. So the the game kind of really made you feel like, you know, it made you feel for this kid who grew up and just to be a brutal killer. And at the end of the game, you face off against the boy, which is Walter. And the game makes you feel, actually feel sympathy for the serial killer and to this day there has never been another game i think with just a powerful uh, story driven experience that i think i hope you know project mara will be but at the end of the at at the end of the game uh, you see the little boy return uh, to the room which is you know obviously his mother he opens the door and you don't see exactly um what the boy sees but he falls to the ground and he dies and you know, it's just, I don't know. I just wanted to share with you one of my favorite horror games of all time, but I think Xbox uh, first party needs this type of game. I think um, uh, it it completes the portfolio that, you know, Phil always talked about initially when he first started with Xbox and they haven't really touched on this genre. I think, Project Mara will dive deep, you know, obviously into a serious uh, mental disorder such as schizophrenia. Not only will it be a horror game, but it'll be a complete learning experience, you know, for those with the sickness. Um, um, Awareness, right. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be, you know, and it's it's, it's sickness where people interpret reality uh, abnormally. It's, it's totally different and i've had to deal with people with sickness that results in hallucinations and delusions and with schizophrenia um if they do their due diligence which i think they will um i think project mara will be a very special title um you know and and it's even more so than hellblade i mean let's let's face it uh and it's you know that's pretty much my spill on that but i'm looking forward to project mara definitely
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, think that yeah. you, you really... Uh, what were you going to say, Vader?
0: Oh, go right ahead, Tim. Go right no,
2: ahead. I just think that you really kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, you know, Blade's going to be their uh, you know, <clears throat> AAA experience that, that they're pushing. Um, but this game, from where it's coming from, could have the most potential impact um, of all their games. I think what they're trying to do here is, like you said, Uh, drive awareness of of mental illness and try to bring the gamer to kind of understand where someone with schizophrenia um, you know, could you know, could educate them in a certain way or show them how, you know, their world is and and, uh, I think it's very powerful stuff Um, I'm hoping like you that they kind of expand it and they go with the uh, the idea of um, you know uh, of making this uh, something where it could really uh, you know break boundaries and and do something that games really uh, haven't attempted to to do and uh, I really think that uh, it's interesting stuff and I think it's going to be pretty scary. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a long game or something. I think it could be. You know maybe uh an extended demo type thing but i do think that if it is successful and it does break boundaries and it does you know um you know mean uh make what to do arrive at, at its goal of getting people more aware of this and everything that they could uh build on it and um uh, i'm definitely excited for it and uh it's, it's a genre that, like you said, uh, Xbox needs. And um, yeah. it, it could be something that could be big. So it's good stuff.
1: Well, if you guys remember the game PT, well, the demo, really. It was PT. It was supposed to be the Silent Hills on PlayStation. Right. And that particular demo was only about 30 minutes in length. And it created this huge impact in... Uh, I think in, in just gaming in general, what can be done and the experiences that you can have on some of these next-gen systems. So now you take in consideration the power of the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 and then high-end PCs. Um, and it's slowly but surely the the lines are blurring between what's real and what's not in terms of you know how real these games are, are, are dishing out. Um, I think you're in for a treat, you know, in in these later games, if they put the production values in in some of these high dollar uh, projects. And it's just going to be interesting over the course of the next few years.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm. When I first saw it I was like what what is this you know are they teasing another game obviously Ninja Theory they got Bleeding Edge coming out in a couple of months um Hellblade 2 just got announced a month ago if not under a month <clears throat> and now we got a third new game in development I mean hey guys this is a uh, pretty awesome stuff from Ninja Theory they are being very productive and I'm happy to see this under at the Xbox game studios i mean they
1: well, i think bleeding edge is going to produce the revenue in terms of you know the microtransactions that um you know um they ninja theory needs in order to move forward with some of these larger projects because they still at the end of the day they still get a budget you know and uh, i think bleeding edge is going to be big for Xbox it's going to be big for You know, PC as well. It's coming to PC, right? If I'm not, yes, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, Yeah. yeah. it's going to be huge in terms of uh, of the revenue, and it's going to be one of these, um, you know, streaming giants to where people are going to want to tune in and play this game. So, I think that's what's driving a lot of these some of the passion projects you see from Ninja Theory. um, You know, coming here shortly.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, well, one thing I thought was interesting when they talked about Hellblade and th- that they talked about how their team is f- 40 developers and it's twice the size of what they did uh, with Hellblade and how that with procedure procedural technology and tools um, that they basically um, are going to do a AAA scale game, but you know, typically AAA has over a hundred or one hundred and fifty developers, with such yeah a uh, smaller team. Now, if you look at Hellblade, and I think Hellblade is one example and possibly the only example of a small developer really, you know, uh, touching the lines of AAA um, with such a small team where they did it. So if you if you take considering what they did with Hellblade, and you uh, double to triple when when it ends, the amount of people working on it and the technology growing that they've used and the you know the 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 prowess that they have, uh, you know it's going to be very interesting to see how Hellblade two, um, you know, turns out as well. So I think this I, I, is one of the studios that they. Uh this is possibly their top studio acquisition. It's, it seems like a steal They're looking think, going looking back.
1: Tim, I think you hit it on the head because if you look at how Blade, um, you know, in terms of sound design, graphic, lighting, uh, you know, the act, the character acting, the voice work, just facial the, animation. The, the, yeah, the facial animations, that's stuff that even gears of war hasn't produced let's be frank you know and it's just it goes to show just the talent that ninja theory has uh just kind of be you know just like just waiting to be explored so i think it's uh sky's the limit for ninja theory uh they did a good job with um uh, enslaved i don't know if you guys ever played enslaved but enslaved was an excellent game um And Hellblade was was an excellent game, so I'm looking forward to these next projects.
4: And I think people just it goes over their head as soon as they heard that possibly double than what they had on Hellblade, which you know everybody's assuming 40 developers that it's automatically oh it's it's double A it's not triple A. But totally forgot what he said there. Like they're using tricks. They have the budget available, so triple A is more about the budget, not the developer. Yeah. and they get make the excuse, because I made the point that Death Stranding, only, they only had you know 80 developers in that whole, whether or not all 80 were making the game, um, but then they make the point they were getting outside help from the other studios Sony has. I'm like, well, Ninja Theory has the rest of their studio, plus they could you know, collab with the other studios now that they have that you know family yeah. of studios. So they could do the same thing if they need the help, they'll use it.
2: A hundred percent, Jeremy said, I mean, I don't really want to, you know, take a shot at years, but, you know, that's a development team of over 300 people. And, you know, there's things that are done on Hellblade that, you know, are better. I mean, even the sound design, I would say that Hellblade's possibly number top five best sound designs ever made in a game. Yeah, absolutely. it's It's just... uh, you know, mind-boggling what they they produced with such a small team. Now you have the same team with the same guy, but now you have 20 probably very highly uh, hand-picked uh, developers, and and like like uh, Shaq was saying, you're gonna get some c- uh, c- collaboration with with other with other studio people, and and they're probably I would think they're still hiring. I think that they're going to probably add another 10 to 15, but you're going to, I think it's pretty, pretty obvious that you're going to get just even basing, watching that, that trailer. uh, You're going to get a a bonafide triple A experience, but what they're doing is I think that they're trying to, they're, they're, they're doing something that really um, uh, is new and, and it's kind of setting the precedent and, uh, I'm wondering if, if uh, other studios, uh, especially within Xbox, are going to try to accomplish it. Mean, now, uh, isn't, video- now isn't
1: there a new studio being built for Ninja Theory?
0: Yes. I'm not sure if it's completed yet, but it's definitely... like I've seen the construction video. I think I posted yeah. it in our DM, and if I'm not sure if it's done yet but yeah they have a new hq like a new main studio being built
1: so yep i don't think they even have the facilities now to to you know to have a big team so they're building you know they're building that larger one um a couple of years ago when me and uh you know me tim south megatron we went to uh fan fest and e3 and we had a chance to uh meet um you know, some of the heads at Ninja theory. And, um, I don't know if you remember, Tim, they were there, uh, you know, at that little event that we went to, you remember, Tim?
2: Yeah, I remember. I remember you I think you were getting cards from where you, I remember you, uh, <laughs> I was uh, hustling. <laughs> I remember something uh, with yeah. cards. You got cards from them and you were, you were trying to get them on the show. I, yeah. yeah.
1: But talk about an inspiration. These women, powerful women in the industry, um who who done amazing work uh, i think what they you know with the team that they had and i think um it's been in in a long time coming for it's good to see xbox finally putting you know money where where it needs to be put so
3: mm-hmm. um i was just wanting to add on that for starters like Ninja theory looks like it's going to put itself as one of the top Microsoft studios out that they've been able to purchase. And this whole idea of putting like a's on budgets and teams is beyond me because I'm a huge entertainment fan (laughs) and the the movie that comes to mind for me was the original Saw movie. I got to meet the producer to fade to, uh, from Fade to Black, the production company that actually did the original Saw movie. And the original Saw movie was a extremely low budget film. It was all pretty much shot in the same location, almost um, like an
1: independent film. Yeah, yeah,
3: and like that really set the bar for uh, a new genre of horror. And so, I mean, and then if you kind of go forward, all the sequels were kind of meh because they were going for that shock and awe value because now they have this budget because, oh, everybody loves Saw. So just throw the entire budget at them and they can do whatever they want with it. And we saw what we got when you have budget constraints and you don't have all the money in the world. I feel like you get more creativity and you get more for less because these guys have to go out and make themselves shine with, you know, literally these 40 individuals have to go out and make themselves shine better than the team that had 300 if we're using Gears 5. And so that's why I can never assign... A value to any game when it comes to budget or how many people worked on it for me it's you know did i enjoy the game did the story mean anything to me was the gameplay great that's really what sets the difference between me on a good game and a bad game not budgets and a's and all this other funny stuff but you know like Again, using entertainment, if you want to see what happens when you have an open checkbook, look at the Star Wars franchise right now. And I'm just talking (laughs) about them. I'm talking about the movies in theaters. I'm not going to. I love Star Wars. I'm not going to say they're a dumpster fire but they sure as heck weren't what we got when the original trilogy because the original trilogy was paid for by George Lucas pretty much out of his own pocket and so there were some budget constraints so they had to do what they had to do to make those movies shine and now fast forward to they're owned by Disney and they have an open checkbook and the last few movies we've gotten out of them were all over the place
1: you know to be fair you you mean the the uh, horror um you know, the horror movie genre comparison horror movies in general have a very limited budget, a very small budget. Oh yeah. I don't, if you, I don't know if you remember the, well, you guys have seen the newest uh, Halloween movie, which it mm-hmm. only had a budget of about $10 million, but it was able to produce, uh, you know, over, I, well, over three, was it two or $300 and $203 million, uh, in revenue, something outrageous like that. But you can see, um, you know, like you said, some of the tricks of the trade that these talented, um, you know, costume designers and set pieces are able to do with, it, you know, pretty much nothing.
0: Well, well uh, even look at Joker. Joker was only made for what, 50 oh, million? Yeah. And um, it's yeah. over a billion gross in theaters. So, and yeah, I think the
1: court, Oh, sorry, Centurion. I think oh, go a, first. a quarter of that was just on
3: Joaquin Phoenix Phoenix's paycheck.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> um, definitely, well, when it comes to like at, in the movie industry, when you're an aspiring director, you got to remember: when you're the director, you're the end all be all of the budget, and so therefore, if you can make uh, a badass movie for five to ten million dollars. That's going to get people's ears perked up because you're like, hey, you made something great for five to ten million dollars. What happens if we give you 20 million and then your next movie you're given 40 million? And then after that, Mm -hmm. basically you show that you can make good movies without money being a thing. And that's one thing about games, too. It applies to games. You can make an awesome game without having to throw an asinine amount of money at it. Mm-hmm. Well, you look
2: You look at Rocket League was another, but I mean, I think you bring up a great point in uh, Saw and, and a comparison of what's going on here. But, you know, um, when you say the things that you say, I agree with you, but to a point, what they've done with 20 people and how they did what they did with Hellblade, that is really the exception to the rule. What they produced with Hellblade with 20 people is absolutely insane. Yeah. Now, if you're going to take that same formula and now you're going to add uh, more technology, uh, more developers, uh you know, even if you can double that output, <laughs> you're talking about uh, you know, a, a game that's going to, you know, rival uh pretty much any kind of AAA. Um, so I think like that's what's so special about Hellblade is they kind of they kind of killed Well, they kind of made the, the argument that you just made where you said, you know, you know, I don't think that, that you can define a number and put the, the A's and what, what the way you just explained, which is very elegant. But the thing is, is that before them, I probably would have been arguing with you saying, well, that's not true. Where is the example, but they kind of are the example. Yeah. And in a way, saw was kind of that example too. I mean, that game you that movie I watched that the other night and I thought to myself this movie is an unbelievable movie and and, ha- and it was done on what whatever the budget was so it's it's pretty crazy what what ninja theory is, is attempting to do and I do think with what they're doing is going to affect other developers yeah and actually it's going to have some type of lasting effect and, and it's pretty amazing what they've done
0: Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you guys, when I played Hellblade, I was amazed by what that small team Mm -hmm. did, whether it be the environments, the lighting, the character models, it's so much detail to them. And the voices, the sound, you you put a hair, a pair of headphones on completely different game, in my opinion, it just really amps things up. And that's what makes me so curious Because, you know, before they were just like, you know, testing things out, uh, you know, just playing with what they had. Now they have the budget. They can really experiment. They can go all out if they want to. And And I I remember, sorry to interrupt, but I remember Tim on Twitter just talking about the sound
1: design when you had headphones on in that game and what kind of experience he had with it. Sorry. to Yeah, no, it, it
2: was true when I when. Um, I'm a sound design guy. Like I I think, uh, you know, previously on TXR, when it was back and thing, we had a guy from the Quantum Break. I forgot his name. I think Jeremy, you got him on the show. Like you get everyone. Um, But he was a sound design. I thought the sound design on Quantum Break was pretty special. Oh yeah, absolutely. um, Yeah. This this game, the sound design. I mean, you know, it's to the point where, like, there's your 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 um you're fighting towards the end uh, and you're fighting one of the, one of the, you know, one of the sequences and, and they're throwing like a, a knife at you. And it does this like reverb sound and, and um, it's just, there's certain as there's certain things that were done in that game with the headphones that I was just completely floored and uh, not for nothing playing that game for like two hours. Like, literally, you know, we talked about, like, how how Blade, uh, you know, how how Ninja Theories, like, uh, you know, with that game, it was a deep message, but, like, my mind was playing games with me after, like, I remember playing that game for two hours, it was like 12 (laughs) o'clock at night, and I freaking started freaking out. And I was just like, I you start I, I hearing shit. Start playing, <laughs> yeah, you really start like your mind starts playing tricks on you, and um, yeah, I like like uh, that's I, honestly that to me that when we talk sound design, um, that rivals pretty much uh, anything. I, I you know uh, it's probably top three to five I've ever heard.
1: And you know, I, I've always said. It, you know the last podcast we had with Tommy on sound design and the soundtrack is fifty percent of the game, and you could you could take a look at all the great games, the best games ever made throughout history, and one of the key aspects of the game is sound. Whether it's Ori and the Blind Forest, whether it's Metroid Prime, uh, you know whether it's Halo. Can you imagine Halo without the soundtrack? Or you know, Master Chief's voice voice work or katana's voice. Can you imagine those games without that? I can't. So mm-hmm. you can see what sound does to games like Project Mara. Um, and you know, the same goes for um you know uh Hellblade.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, i'm definitely looking forward to it uh i i really think that xbox Game Studios needs a game like this in their in their library and I'm, I'm really glad to see that ninja theory has all these projects going on like honestly kudos to them uh small studio just trying out different things and yeah, i am i am excited for this project mirror is definitely on my on my radar for sure Now, guys, we're going to go on to some more Xbox news. Uh, This past week, Xbox head Phil Spencer and members of his team were in Japan talking (laughs) with studios and publishers there. Over Twitter, Phil stated that great to be back in Japan with the team talking and listening to amazing studios and publishers about 2020 and beyond. Really strong energy and excitement here about gaming future. Phil apparently got hands-on with previously known and un- and unannounced games. So, guys, I got to ask, panel, uh, what do you make of this visit? Is this just for E3 or, hey, maybe something more? Man, the safe bet
1: is to say that Phil was in Japan to bring more of these titles to the U.S. Mar- the US market and i think phil has done a better job uh, getting some of these games onto the xbox platform obviously but uh it's nowhere near on sony's you know sony's level uh gamers gamers think that you know sony's only exclusives are some of these big games like you know horizon zero dawn god of war uh, spider-man etc etc but when in actuality there's dozens upon dozens of these solid japanese titles that are available on PlayStation um, and that offered on their platform that you can't really buy anywhere else besides PlayStation. Some of them move to Switch, some of them move to PC. Uh, but my hope is, you know, obviously the big one is Phil purchased a, ma- a major Japanese studio like From Software. I think that was the talk um, around the Twitter sphere or social media sites and why not you know they had a good relationship in the past with from from software with terrific games like otogi i don't know if you guys remember otogi games on mm-hmm. the original xbox which were amazing but here's the hoping what we could hope right
0: yeah I don't see why not. Well, the idea of studio acquisitions—they've come up a lot. Heck, even Phil Spencer has mentioned it within the past few months about adding some kind of Asian studio. I believe Matt Booty has also brought up. There's been lots of uh, chatter from Xbox is going on, saying, "Yeah, you know, we're you know we're they definitely seem interested in acquiring an Asian studio. Uh, Japanese studio certainly makes a lot of sense. I know that they've also been in." South Korea as well if I'm not mistaken but Japan is definitely a focus. I mean, I could see them going out obviously and getting, you know, more third-party deals or even for games that they they seem to have marketing deals for already but they haven't really shown a lot of gameplay. Elden Ring comes to mind. Let me uh, ask
1: you, let me ask you guys yeah. this question. Do they need another big acquisition whether it's uh, from the Asian market or Europe? Or uh, you know, one of these other uh, countries? Do they need something like that?
2: I th- I think yes. I think they need. Uh, uh, I think they need a bigger yeah. developer, uh, and yeah, uh, I do think that uh, they need a, a Japanese uh, studio, um, and I think that it's going to happen in in due time. Now with uh, this trip, uh, like you alluded to, third for- party support uh certain things that he's been um you know uh working on each and every time he goes there but i do think that he's been trying to get a japanese studio i can tell you that he's been trying to get a japanese studio since march of 2018 um so uh he's trying i just don't think that it's uh uh it's it's an easy market for um an american company to break into i think there's um I don't know if there's laws or there's uh,
4: there's just regulations there that make it really yeah. hard. It's not, not right. It's, it's not, not illegal, illegal, but you can do it. It's just there's a lot it's of a lot tape. of
2: regulations, a lot of red tape. Um, so I'm just hoping that uh, you know, even if it's something where he, he gets a small studio and then he injects uh some money because I I think Xbox needs a, a more of a global presence than it has. Yeah, uh, it's viewed as an American company. Um, And that's okay. But, you know, the way to break into these markets is to actually have your, uh, you know, whether it's your buildings, stores, or if you know have actual people within the, you know, within the land that work and represent your company. And I think that Japan, they are uh, a dire need to get some type of presence there. um, Just for the games and just just for the global presence. Um, it's something that's uh, very hard for them to get in, and you know, obviously, we know the story. But uh, let's see what happens. I I think he's trying, and I think that we might get some games that uh, pro- probably you know <clears throat> we thought were impossible that would never come might come to the platform. So, but, uh, Tim, know, you look I, at, I guess, we'll find out.
1: You look at the past, Tim, and you know, I look at the 360 and what they were able to accomplish with the 360. And, you know, and they went to Japan and they picked up Miss Walker for a couple of games. I think they were on contract for two or three games. Uh, one was Blue Dragon and the other one was Lost Odyssey, which I, I miss those games. I'm telling you right now, and not signing people like that is, or studios like that is a huge loss for Xbox, no matter how you cut it. And I think he feels trying to do a better job uh, you know, making some of those moves. I don't know if it's going to be ex- exclusive like Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey was, but you know, we need the, we need something in the lines of that. We need uh, someone that's committed to the Xbox brand for maybe a couple of games or two or maybe even purchased outright uh, making games like, like Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey because there is a market for it, and I think in order for xbox to uh you know be a global um i don't want to say power because i don't think they'll ever be a global power in the industry but at least they're they're you know they make some headway like they did with the 360. Uh, i think that's what i'm hoping for
3: now uh, to interject on this outside of studios and games i also see him trying to really grow game pass I mean, not yeah. Game Pass, X Cloud, X Cloud, and Game Pass. Actually, if you want to combine them both, because yeah. we all know the a majority of the Final Fantasies are getting ready to come to Game Pass, but also X Cloud opens the potential for a lot of these. Uh, you know, let's face it, PlayStation isn't a mobile. You know, it is what it mm-hmm. is. Um, neither is Xbox, but X Cloud um, brings console games to a mobile market mm-hmm. if it works the way it's supposed to. Yep. And we know how heavy the mobile market is over in the Asian markets. And so this is going to give a lot of those console game developers over there the ability to actually get some of their software in the mobile market.
1: Now again, this is off topic, but what's the IO where's the iOS game pass, Tim? I mean not game pass. Um uh that's the testing right now.
2: Uh, y- iOS is going to probably happen in two months. It's a, they 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 built it. So it's already being built um uh Maxi the girl for UK mm-hmm. actually uh for Xbox Germany um posted a video of her playing on iOS. Oh wow. Uh she deleted it, but um <laughs> uh, you know, uh it's it's coming. Um and I think it's very interesting. I think Centaurian very good points. Yep. Um, what's crazy, what's really crazy, the most usage of xCloud and almost double what they're doing in the United States is in Korea. Think about that. 170% of usage of xCloud is coming from Korea. That is the place where the console does not exist. Yep. So that's just, just to show you that the xCloud... Um, It's pretty powerful when it comes to the, uh, you know, uh, you know, the way uh, these gamers game in different countries in Asia, they like that. They like the small games. They like the, uh, small form factors and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, it's, this is going to be pretty big. I think Xbox, uh, really going, uh, the right way. iOS support is probably right around the corner. Um, it's just a, a, a matter of, uh, uh, passing through testing and probably a little bit of uh, you know neg- negotiating here and there, but um, yeah, one of the craziest stats that I think that came out of the week was North Korea is uh, or not or just Korea in general <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, is um, is the number one usage of X Cloud. That's And That's crazy. That is a place where they don't even play, they don't even have a console there. Now so, uh, you know, it's, expect that to grow too.
3: I have because of what Jeremy said, I have to add on because he brought up iOS and, you know, we were talking about the mobile market over there. What we see over here in the United States when it comes to iOS and the popularity of Apple products Mm -hmm. does not leave the United States. Right. Apple is not a very big company outside of the United States and maybe a little bit in Canada and Mexico. But outside of that, Apple does not go overseas. They are not received well. As a matter of fact, that is why most of your counterfeit Apple products actually come out of the Asian markets because yeah. they just duplicate it. They don't need it.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think uh, also Xbox is the biggest issue if they can resolve it um, is stop letting big Japanese uh, developers or publishers go give you know exclusives to Sony just by default, just by not their game like Street Fighter that one was kind of more of a publishing thing but um, even like the Kingdom Hearts they gave the Kingdom Hearts uh, collection leading you know after the Kingdom Hearts 3 like that shouldn't happen like they gotta anything that's not being published by Sony on the side like they shouldn't just get those by default kind of like Hellblade was
3: well Mm -hmm. you got to remember the culture over there in those countries they are very proud honorable society and so they actually work very cohesively together. Even though we see a lot of stuff that goes on between the the public and the governments over there, it, it, they still work co- a little bit more cohesively on a on a personal being with, between companies. When you know, obviously, they're just wanting to keep it in their own backyard. Well, um, not only that not their, works,
1: their culture in general. I mean, even yeah. here in the states
3: you know Uh, out here in the united states we all want to debate everything and explore every option over there they're definitely like oh yeah you want us to you know we have a you know the sony wants a a japanese game or an asian game heck yeah let's put it on there because literally they're one of us yeah
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely now shock you brought up uh obviously trying to get back all these exclusive titles i guess that were uh given to sony uh would, could you see something like neo coming over
4: i mean they should i mean that's they worked with team ninja before that was the same one that we could give them ninja Gaiden first and then the lesser version sigmas would go to sony after um uh, yeah. so i mean they have a good relationship in the past that and giving exclusives with the uh, dead or life 4 uh back on the 360 so and, and, and there's think- getting dead or life uh five or six, or I think the latest one. So they're working with them. So,
1: but that's, that's my point. You know, you look at previous generation and, you know, we had all these, all these Japanese games that came either, either first to the Xbox or they were being built uh, for the Xbox or, uh, you know, even if it was third party and now we don't have that. My question is what happened? Well, I think a lot
4: of that was the original Xbox had a lot of capabilities that they, when they did Dead or Alive, the Dead or Alive exclusives and Ninja Gaiden back on those, those were games they, you know, probably either thought they couldn't, you know, make it the way they wanted to on the PS2 hardware. Um, And then you had the 360 where you had like people like Bioshack, Mass Effect leading the way for 360. Probably because from a developer's, you know, having a problem uh, with the cell processor. With the cell
1: processor, yeah.
4: So I yeah, think you that heard, was more on hardware. Well,
2: also, I, I think with with what happened also is that at one point Xbox thought that they can, you know, the, when they built in uh, Blue Dragon and they built, built in all these games, um, they didn't sell. And I think that they learned that they couldn't get a, you know, penetration in the market. And uh they kind of just said, uh, screw it. You know, this is a market where we can't win at. And um I think that they went into this generation thinking that uh Japan was um not the same a place where they could do well just because they tried so hard with three sixty and they didn't get anywhere.
1: I think there's gonna there's still gonna be a focus on it though. They they can't just abandon it. I think that's why you see
2: well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what Phil's doing what he's doing. I think he's trying to get to the point where, you know, uh, they're third-party developers, so you know, I remember having this argument with somebody. They look at the, the numbers, and they see, well, these guys don't buy our games, so why are we going to make a game on their, on their system? Now, Phil, I think, realized that that was a problem, and part of where when he goes and does this trip is he tries to give them some type of incentive to build their games and bring it to Xbox, hopefully, you know this it.
1: Comes and, to the Xbox, games like you that. know, Delilah HD brings up a great point, and she says mostly because Peter Moore and his ties to Sega, you know, and mm-hmm. she brings she she brings up a really good point because you know Sega was you know he Peter Moore was was Sega, you know, at the time, and you know I think that relationship kind of spurred into the xbox stuff to where he was able to make those moves um you know hopefully phil can can do some some other things like that so mm-hmm.
2: i think their best idea is to get a studio build the studio and you know make it a pretty big studio and uh one thing about japanese games is um from uh, from you know production you know You know, um, point. It's not. They're not a ton of money to make. So if you have a big studio, you can push that. uh, You know, a a couple of exclusives, JRPGs that the the the, you know the platform needs. I just think that uh, that's probably one way of going. Is kind of get a studio and build it out. You know, hire a bunch of people and um, you know have two to three JRPGs coming um you know onto your platform and game pass and uh and add the variety that they need because japan as we, as we, we we're speaking here is is a, is a tough spot for xbox to get any kind of traction uh maybe xcloud changes things over there um and uh, i do like i said I, I think that they need that studio and they need to have people working in their homeland to kind of get you know uh xbox to where people look at it and accepted because i still think that people look at xbox in japan as an american company and they want no part of it um yeah. and that's just my personal opinion on it
0: mm-hmm. absolutely well as far as phil's trips go I, I i could definitely see them i saw some tweets from namco bandai they have a they seem to have a strong partnership obviously a lot of the uh, Dragon Ball games have been featured at E3. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more for them coming up. Um, yeah, there's definitely more interest and investment going into Japan. I would like to see them get a big Japanese developer under their belt. Uh, like Jeremy was saying, From Software would be awesome. They have an awesome. They already have the history with them, plus the IP that they have. They are they're a treasure trove uh can you imagine
1: yeah. if they do if they do purchase a company like from software uh we're talking I mean seriously you'd have Sony guys jump in ship that's how that's how big of an impact it would it would make you know from software makes incredible games like the dark Soul series uh you know uh um, um secure Sekiro. yeah secure
2: oh, um, huge thing. that would be yeah that's yeah, something that would be really uh, something that I do think could, to, could move the needle. Um, the thing yeah. There, though, yeah. Is that you got to realize the, the, the studios uh, that are going to be purchased, in my opinion, if they are purchased, if they do, are going to most likely be overseas because they don't have tax implications that they would if they buy a studio within the United States. Uh, when they bought... Uh, um, uh, Minecraft. Uh, that was, I believe that was from Sweden. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, they didn't have the tax implications. It was basically, they didn't pay any taxes on it. Um, uh, they, you know, from, from, from people I've talked to, they consider it offshore money. So like, uh, studios in Poland, they, I think tech land is being, uh, you know, rumored and all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy rumors. Um, you know, if, if they land one huge studio, if they got like some yeah. software, that would be like super. It'd be insane. Yeah, impressive. I think one that would be
4: on the level of like the Minecraft purchase would be if they bought uh, Sega, and because then, oh, they, be, then be, they would angry. have Atlas, which is Persona, the Shin Megami yeah. Tensei series, um, and then they could get they could sell those games that are very big and popular in Japan. All those games would have a Microsoft logo on there, so it kind of gets that mind share. Like don't yeah. you block them off like the Minecraft situation. Keep selling them, you know, because you made that purchase, and then it kind of maybe they start, you know, possibly, you know, buying some of your other games, you know, that's made by you. So, well, shocks. Right.
1: You touched on my my heart a little bit, buddy, because Sega is like one of my dreams. Can you imagine, uh, you know, what the studios they have in place now, and you get the IPs that Sega has. Can you imagine some of the content that just comes out of that place? Uh, we're talking just, you know, Golden Axe, Alter Beast, uh, just, um, just some amazing games that I miss. You know, I'm, I'm a retro gamer and I miss those kind of games. But um, yeah, I don't
2: know why we don't have a modern day all
4: Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah,
1: yeah, Panzer. I, I wish they did a remake, Gold man.
2: Axe.
4: Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll get one on the Switch. I mean you
1: have you have the huge I mean you have the fantasy star online two that comes yeah, out big. and if you guys remember on the Dreamcast that was a huge huge title and it was revolutionary and it's ne- you know that kind of title has never been done on a console uh it was an amazing game a lot of people were playing it and it made tons of money uh, for the dreamcast not enough obviously but <laughs> but um yeah. You know, just i think i think fantasy star online is going to be absolutely huge for xbox um i think the beta is going to be coming up here shortly in march so you can go to the actual if you're a part of the insider program uh you can sign up for the fantasy star beta and be a part of that in i know uh Centurion you're probably uh, all into that stuff like me like myself uh, but i can't wait for fantasy star online too
3: i'm i'm gonna be a truthful i have <clears throat> never experienced fantasy star but i'm wanting to yes yeah, so wow. you'll get it I'm wanting to yeah you're gonna I, get I, into I man. man. see i played yeah. blue dragon in them on the 360 <clears throat> i have had my fair share of playing some final fantasies as a matter of fact uh i uh, just purchased uh the final fantasy um x and x2 uh package for uh xbox one i want to replay yeah. those ones and i even also uh god what was the one where they were driving around in the car i think it was like what final fantasy 15 yeah yeah so i actually bought and played that and beat it and now i bought the actual royal edition and i actually kind of want to play it again call me weird <laughs> all
1: sega, right weird sega
3: sega, <laughs> sega,
2: sega
1: was so sega has a, go ahead yeah sega was so revolutionary. Uh, and innovative like you know games like destiny and you know listen now you know like uh borderline they took the blueprint from fantasy star the whole raid system where you go into these levels and and you know the final boss and you loot everything it's just they took that blueprint from fantasy star um and it still holds up today and it's you know it's it's a blueprint that's very profitable and it brings. Uh, you know, lots of money to you know some of these huge companies like Activision and, uh, and Bungie and, you know, just so on and so forth.
2: You know, I mean, I don't think it ever happened, but I agree with you. I think Sega is a very intriguing. What I don't understand about Sega is, like you said, they have Altered Beast. They have Golden Axe, uh, Fantasy Star. Why can't we get a, a modern day Fantasy Star that's, yeah. that's high budget? How come they cannot... We can we keep getting cheap ass Sonic games that suck for their life. <laughs> Well, like I don't uh, understand. Like I think if they had the proper management and they had the proper production value behind some of their their IPs, they could be huge again.
1: But so all the old now is- yeah, all the old regime from Sega is gone. You know, there's no smile bit. There's no, um, you know, Yu Suzuki. Uh, you know, Yu Suzuki still makes games now with with, with Shinmu 3. But even he was out of the limelight for uh, Yuji Naka, which is creator of the Sonic of the Hitchhog franchise, you know, who's created games like Burning Rangers and uh, the, the night series. And he's gone out of the fold. They're just not the company like, you know, they used to be um but again those IPs are appealing um and it's kind of like the whole konami bit where's konami they have amazing IPs that have done nothing absolutely nothing this last generation with those amazing IPs yeah well
2: they left they left for the mobile market you know what they do yeah. <laughs> they actually it's true they actually do like like they do cell phone games like like um if you do uh uh, gambling like you like the slot machines. They have uh, slot machines. On, <clears throat> they do. On, they still do soccer. Of, yeah, you know they. They yeah they, they. But yeah, that was the powerhouse IP. But when that that uh, when the whole thing with um, you know Kojima and, and that breakthrough, they basically said we're only going into mobile. But uh, again, yeah, they have so many IPs that they could, you know, rejuvenate and. Uh, Sega, too, like, like, like you said, they've, they've lost a lot of people. It just seems like they they need, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody to actually buy them and say, Hey, let's put production value uh, behind Sonic and let's pick a couple of these these awesome IPs. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think you can get away with doing something like Walter Beast in a modern day uh, thing. I think that was one of the craziest ideas when that game came out. I mean, looking back and playing it now, it's like you laugh at yeah. how shitty it is. But uh, you know, <laughs> well, that, that captured my imagination back in the day. Well,
1: it's, what's funny—the thing about Konami though—is you know, people don't—they always refer to them as a just a gaming company. But in actuality, they're a huge gambling con- conglomerate in in mm-hmm. in uh, in Japan. They just make tons of money. They're like printing money, and they don't even need their gaming division. So it's like, you know, they kind of went, yeah, they kind of just went. In fact, their gaming division. They
2: made pinball machines too, a ton of pinball machines. Oh, yeah,
1: oh, yeah. But in fact, their video game division, which, you know, their biggest uh, cash, um, you know, cash hole was freaking Kojima. He was spending tons of money on, you know, some of these games. His budgets were out of control. I mean, you heard horror stories about kojima and his budgets and how much they were affecting what konami was doing mm-hmm. so that's i we and we went way off topic with <laughs> a lot of these other topics but you know, well just, yeah. here's a, isn't silent a hill top. under
0: uh konami as well yeah
1: yeah I believe yeah. So,
0: yeah,
4: sweet yeah. it in <laughs> so we have seen in. that since ps2 days uh
1: contra Mm -hmm. uh the bomberman franchise and just so many just
0: just
2: just do a a google search on them you'll see how many games so many
0: now uh i think we'll uh finish Mm. this off soon fellas but just you know i'm gonna bring something up here because obviously you guys know itagaki who was Uh on team ninja Uh for a while he started his own studio in uh, rome not too long ago and everybody's kind of been wondering what he's been working on i don't know do you think xbox would maybe cheat a bit be like well it's hard to get a studio in japan but maybe we can get this guy in rome and set him up a bit <laughs> hey. make this a ninja to gaiden you know spiritual successor hey why not i mean the guy obviously has the creativity he has the uh the background why not i say uh I'm not saying throw money at him, but I'd be curious to see what he can come up with. But that's me. Come on, say hi.
2: Hi.
1: We have a visitor, Joy. Say hi, Joy. Hi. 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 She's a Roblox fanatic.
2: You're on TV.
1: You're on TV. You're on TV,
4: Joy.
2: I'm on TV. Yeah, look at it.
1: Say
4: hi.
0: <laughs> yeah, none of our all right get our faces this week. <laughs> hey buddy. Hi. Very cute. Very cute. Uh all right, guys. Well I think on that note uh we'll end off the show and really great chat tonight, guys. Also really awesome crowd in the chat. Uh lots going on here uh other zinc i know you've been pretty active thank you for joining us my friend delilah hd thanks as always delilah joining on uh we got victor alistine thanks for joining buddy you know i uh, see you on a few of the shows i definitely appreciate your feedback bz mcnasty always great to see here post up i saw you joining in dead rising ninja Uh, Thank you very much for the chatter in the chat. We had NLG, we had Stinger drop by, of course, and uh, Dinero Primero, and all kinds of really cool people. Shizno Elite, definitely, definitely a fun crew tonight. And guys, if you happen to enjoy the talk tonight, then consider sharing out the show and subbing to the channel to keep up to date with things. Anyways, guys, let's do the panel outros. Jeremy, where can everybody find you, pal?
1: You can find me under a rock. No, you can find me on Twitter at Lone Master Who 07. I'm also on Xbox Downer uh, Space J. You can find me there, or you can find me on PlayStation. My gamer tag for PlayStation is Green Knight 07.
0: Nice. Green Knight, really? Yep. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing me off there, buddy. Uh, all right, let's see. Hey, shock buddy, uh great show tonight. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, you can uh find me at uh at uh I can't remember my name.
4: <laughs> at Shock Nero on Twitter, easy shock on Xbox Live. I'd give my switch friend code, but oh yeah, we have friend codes and we pay for that service. Yeah, that's <laughs> um <laughs> and no cloud saves that automatically download. Yeah, but that's another point. But yeah. thanks for coming and stopping by.
0: Ooh, somebody a little bitter with the Switch, but I totally understand what you mean on that. Uh, Centurion, uh, another awesome show, pal. Where can everybody find you?
3: As always, you guys can always find me on YouTube, Twitter, and Xbox Live at Centurion1307. I also kick it here with you guys every Sunday on the TXR podcast. I'm on the Saltiest Gaming podcast on Thursdays and the Shop podcast on Saturdays.
0: Nice, nice, and Tim Dog uh, again. Great show, pal. Where can everybody find you?
2: You can find me uh XCloud Tim Dog on Xbox Live, and on Twitter, XCloud Tim Dog. I also am on RDX Tuesday nights, eight p.m., and always here Sunday, nine p.m. Um, during the week, and. Uh, just uh good show tonight, guys. And uh, thanks yeah. for uh, sticking around uh, during a pretty uh, tough, tough time. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Uh, you know, good show. You know, everybody seems to be feeling better. Lots of uh, good spirits in the chat. Uh, I feel better for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and guys, I'm Invader. You can find me on my YouTube channel, Invader Gaming. I'll have a review out soon for Terminator Resistance, which... I happen to really enjoy, believe it or not. And you can find me on Twitter at invader underscore one, nine, eight, six guys. Great show. Thanks for stopping by. We cannot wait to see you next Sunday. It's been a blast. See you everybody.